The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. Lots happening at TBC with Impact coming uh, summer months. Uh, if you normally come to the 815 service, which I probably don't see too many faces in here that do, uh, you wouldn't be here at 11, but uh, next week the 815 goes away. And uh, for the summer months, it'll resume the third week in August. So we're doing a series on Proverbs. We have called Walking in Wisdom or the Beginning of Wisdom. Our key verse is Proverbs 1-7. Proverbs 1-7, if you want to look on your devices or your Bibles, just to remind you week after week of this key verse, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And so what we're saying is that fearing God, knowing God, walking with God, trusting Christ as our Savior is the first part of this. Otherwise, the most important part, that's transformation. Otherwise, we're just going to give you a lot of principles and moralisms, and we don't want that. What we want is a transformed heart that produces a changed life and changed behavior. So we call you, first of all, to know Christ, to repent and be, be one of his sheep, if you will, and to follow after him. And then Proverbs instructs us on how to live that way. Let me pray. Father, as we open the book on this Memorial Day weekend, we're grateful once again for the freedom you've given us. We're grateful for the opportunity to worship together. We're grateful for faithful leaders like Casey. We're grateful, Father, for those who pay the price for our freedom. And this morning, as we look at this text and the sluggard, I pray that you would teach us in the name of Jesus. Amen. So this morning's topic is the sluggard, the sluggard, if you will. And uh, have any sluggards or sloths out there? Anybody want to raise their hand? Get a few sluggards or sloths out there? You say, Pastor Gary, don't move so fast. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Last week after I preached on the fool, I got several emails and texts saying, don't put your one good eye on me the whole sermon. So uh, I'm going to tell you right now, some of you are going to feel that way probably when you walk out, but I don't do that. I can't control that. So the half-read book, the half-mowed lawn, the half-finished assignment, the half-completed degree, the half-cleaned house. They all may say that a slugger lives here. Or maybe it's the hours spent gaming on a computer or the hours spent on Instagram or Facebook or the hours daydreaming and napping that may say a sluggard lives here. 14 times in Proverbs, the word sluggard is mentioned. So to Solomon, it's an important topic. He looks around at the culture of his day and says there are some sluggards among us, some sluggards, if you will. Proverbs describes a sluggard as the one who struggles to begin things, has difficulty finishing things, and would rather avoid rather than dealing with things. That's a sluggard in Proverbs. It's a person that doesn't start things, doesn't finish things, and uh, avoids things. A sluggard is a person who just can't get it all together, quote unquote. They're always late, they're always paying bills late, they're always showing up late, they, it, it, their house looks like a bomb went off in it all the time, and that, that's the slugger. They, they have great intentions, but they never pull the trigger, if you know what I mean. They say, ready, aim, 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 and they never fire. That's a slugger that's described in Proverbs for us. They have great dreams, they have big ideas, but they never act on them. Anybody married to a sluggard, don't raise your hand. <laughs> I mean, some of us are sluggards. Some of us are sluggards. We, we are like the sloth. Do you know what a sloth is? David, if you'll start that video for me. Uh, this is a sloth. 
I actually looked up sloth on YouTube. The title of this particular video is What Happens When a Sloth Chases You? That's a literal title on this video. Sloths are interesting animals. They are mammals. They spend most of their lives hanging upside down in tree branches. That's what they do. And uh, they are the slowest, one of the slowest moving creatures on our planet. They crawl along on a level surface at 10 feet a minute. So that's one ninth of a mile of an hour. One ninth of a mile an hour. They're generally sluggish and inactive. They build no nest. They seek no shelter even for their young. They sleep 15 to 22 hours a day. Some of you say, I don't know what's wrong with that, right? They sleep 15 to 22 hours a day. This is a three-toed sloth. They are ugly animals. And uh, their claws are protrude out. They can actually hang from a tree. And it's said that they expend so little energy when they hang there that they can actually die and their bodies remain hanging in the tree until they start to decompose or something knocks them out. They literally hang dead in trees at times. It says that a sloth uh, rises at late afternoon to eat whatever leaves may be close by. So whatever they can reach, because they're not going to move too far to get to that leaf. In fact, I watched another video on what sloth, sloths eat. It's pretty interesting, actually, if you want to do some research. And uh, they go for leaves. They have this digestive system that's absolutely amazing. And uh, they don't move very far to find that meal. And the author that writes about this says, sometimes you occasionally see a sloth working in office, sitting in a church, or lying on the couch with the television on. The sloth. We get, that's the original couch potato, right? By the way, what do you call the children of a couch potato? Tater tots, tater tots. <laughs> that's free of charge. I won't do any more of that stuff, okay? That's, that's pretty bad, really. So, but, but here's the reality. 14 times in the book of Proverbs, we read about the sluggard. We read about this person who is a sloth-like person. And so this morning, what I'd like to do, I'd like to talk about the character of the sloth and then look at the consequences of being a sloth. The character of the sloth and the consequences of being a sloth. Well, if you were to write out the characteristics of a sloth, probably the first thing you would say about them is what? They are what? Lazy. Yeah, I heard several of you say that. They're lazy. I mean, that's the first characteristic of a sloth. The character of a sloth, they are known by their laziness. In fact, when Solomon writes about the sloth in Proverbs chapter 6, he says, Go to the ant, O sluggard, or sluggard or sloth, consider her ways, be wise. Without having any chief, any officer, any ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in the harvest. How long will you just lie there, O sluggard? And so Solomon is wanting to give a life lesson to the sluggard. And he says, I want you to go and observe the ant. And so, honestly, I didn't know a whole lot about ants, except when you step in a mess of them, they, they sting you like crazy. So I did some research on the ant this week, and it was quite interesting, actually. Ants always live in community, which we talk a lot about here. They live in colonies, except for one type of ant, and it's the Australian uh, biting ant, is what it's called, or Australian locking jaw ant. They live lonely lives. They live alone. But other than that, all ants live in community. They live in ant piles, ant nests. They drill beneath the surface. And what Solomon is saying, go look at the ant, look at her ways. Look at what she is, be wise. And we say wisdom in, in, in Proverbs is applying biblical truth, biblical knowledge to life situation. And says, I want you to go look at the ant. I want you to study what I've created. They don't have chiefs, they don't have officers, they don't have rulers, but they're always working. She prepares her bread in summer, she gathers her food in the harvest. <clears throat> One of the interesting facts I read about ants is that, uh, ladies, you'll appreciate this. So male ants live two to four weeks 
female ants live anywhere, especially the queen lives up to two or three decades. So the guys come and go, but the women stick around for quite a while. And so when we look at this, what we see is that I want you to learn a life lesson sluggard from the ant. I want you to go and see, and when you read and study about ants, they're always, they're always gathering, they're always hunting for food, and they're always drilling down, they're always working in their, in their nest to, to drill down and furrow down and have all these places where they are, and they live in community to do that. And Solomon says, sluggard, how long are you just going to lie there? The ant is busy, the ant is gathering, the ant is caring for things, but sluggard, you just lie there. And Solomon goes on in Proverbs 6 and says, this is the motto of the sluggard, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Now, a robber or armed man, you don't expect them to come, but they come. And he says, sluggard, you don't provide for yourself, so the reality of it is you're going you're gonna to find yourself in poverty, you're going to find yourself hungry, and you're going to find yourself without much because your life is sleeping, slumbering, and resting. Now, the scriptures tell us about rest. That's a good thing. We talk about the Sabbath, and, and literally the Sabbath is to rest. But a person that that's all they do in life doesn't have the essentials of life that should be provided for their family. They are the sluggard. They don't provide well for their family. Now, let me stop and pause and state one thing. When we look at the sluggard, this is not a person who can't work. We're not talking about disabled folks or folks that can't work. We're talking about people that can work but choose not to. They don't provide for their family. That's what the slugger is, a person who can but won't. He goes on and he says, here's another description of the sluggard. And in Israel, there are vineyards. And Solomon's walking out. We're not sure the exact setting. He's walking out. He sees a vineyard. I pass by the field of a sluggard by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. Now he lacks sense as you study Proverbs and reading through some of the commentaries and thinking, well, how does he lack sense? Well, the vineyard is his livelihood and he allows the vineyard to go into ruins. And so he lacks sense because he doesn't take care of his own livelihood. I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of one who lacks sense. And behold, it was overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles and stone wall was broken down. He said, I went to the vineyard and I, I looked at this and I recognized it was a sluggard's vineyard because everything was out of order. Everything was in disarray. Weeds had grown up that had not been taken care of. The stone wall that should protect the crop from predators is broken down. The sluggard does not take care of his business. The sluggard is a guy always making excuses, and we'll talk about that in a second. The sluggard is a guy who doesn't take care of his own livelihood, and he says, I saw and considered it, I looked and I received instruction. And the instruction he received is once again the motto and the lifestyle of the sluggard, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. He says that in Proverbs 6, he writes it again in Proverbs 34. He's saying, the sluggard is a person who does not care for, does not provide, does not do what he's supposed to do to make sure that his family has what they need. Now, we're not talking about excess stuff, we're talking about the basics of life. And he just doesn't do that. He or she does not take care of those things. And so the sluggard is the person, he says, I, I looked and the sluggard is the opposite of the ant. I looked at the sluggard's vineyard and it's just a mess. Laziness is observed and his livelihood is untended to and all he does is rest. You ever have a sluggard on a group project Maybe you got a project at work and you realize one of the people in there is a sluggard, right? What's it like to have a sluggard on your team? <clears throat> Not a slugger, that's baseball, right? But a sluggard. It's a person who doesn't carry their weight, they don't contribute the way they should, maybe they begin to blame everybody else, and they procrastinate. Procrastination is the first cousin of the sluggard. It's the first cousin of the sluggard. Procrastinate. What's the, what's the motto of the procrastinator? 
Why do today what I can put off until tomorrow? In Spanish, what's the word for tomorrow? Manana. So the motto of the sluggard is manana, 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 manana. Why do today if I can put it off till tomorrow? And, and they, they just don't get the things done. They end up being lazy. They're like the lady who said, when Sears comes out with a writing vacuum cleaner, then I'll clean the house. <laughs> I mean, it's just the person who is so lazy and won't get things done or accomplished and they're always putting it off. And the, the word in, in the Hebrew text means, means to be lazy or slow. Not slow in the sense of mental capacity, but slow in going about doing life. And so this is what the field of a sluggard looks like. You might be able to see a few grapes hanging there, but this field has grown up so much with weeds that you can barely discern where the grapes are and where the field is and where the weeds are. That's the field of a sluggard. Solomon said, I walked by field and everything was just in disarray. Solomon says this about the sluggard. The sluggard buries his hand in a dish, but doesn't even bring it back to his mouth. So there's food here, and he puts his hand in the dish, but he's too lazy to bring it up to his mouth. It's like a baby that needs to be fed. And he said, this is a grown man. This is the slugger. This is the woman. And, and they're too lazy to move their hand all the way to their mouth. In fact, Solomon says this in Proverbs 26, as a door turns on its hinges, so does a slugger turn his bed. You know that person just back and forth, back and forth on the couch, the bed, turning over and over, never getting up, never getting up to do the things that they need to do. And he says, once again, the sluggard buries his hand in the dish, wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. He's too lazy. He's worn out just to move from here to here. It's kind of like this guy in this cartoon. Honey, can I get a little help here? I mean, look at him. He's got a bowl full of chips, the bags on the thing. He's got a couple of soda bottles there, soft drink bottles. <clears throat> There's the remote, but he buries his hand in the dish. He's too lazy to bring it back. Just lazy. Just lazy. It's a story of a lazy husband. He and his wife had their first child, and they brought the child home from the hospital, and the baby was wet, and the wife said, uh, you want to try your hand at changing this diaper? He said, really, I'm too tired, sweetheart. Imagine telling your wife after she just gave birth. I'm too tired, sweetheart. I'll do the next one. Well, the next time the baby was wet, she looked at him and said, do you want me to teach you how to change a diaper? He gave her a puzzled look and he said, I didn't mean the next diaper. I meant the next baby. <laughs> I bet there was a happy night in that house at that point in time, don't you? Just lazy doesn't take care of business, doesn't do things. The second characteristic of the sluggard, second mark of character, is that they make excuses about anything. Make excuses for not working. It says this in Proverbs, the desire of the sluggard kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. The desire of the, the sluggard kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. All day long he craves and craves, but the righteous gives and doesn't hold anything back. The sluggard wants, but he can't have because he has nothing to get with. He, he's too lazy. He, he hasn't done what he's supposed to do. In fact, it says in Proverbs 22, 13, the sluggard says, there's a lion outside. I'm gonna, I, I could be killed in the streets. So he doesn't get out and do what he's supposed to do. <clears throat> How many lions were roaming the streets of Jerusalem? <laughs> Didn't happen. There had been some lions early on in Israel. We read about it, right? We read about Samson the lion, read about David. <clears throat> but the reality of it is by the time of Christ, there were no lions around there. There might have been some in the time of Solomon, but Israel was never run over with lions. But the sluggard says, there's a lion outside. The sluggard says, it's August in Texas, but it could snow today. 
so I think I'll just stay home. How many of you own businesses? You ever get an excuse from employees? Never, right? They always show up on time when they're supposed to be there. I mean, th there's a group called Career Surveyors, or I'm sorry, Career Builders. They did a survey of, they've got a number of clients they do HR stuff for, human, human uh, resource stuff. They hire, they fire, they come up with uh, a lot of things in between, like uh, employee manuals, et cetera, et cetera. So in 2017, I said 2018 last hour, 2017, they did a survey of uh, the companies that they were providing for, and they said, tell us the most ridiculous excuse you received this past year from employees that didn't show up from work. Here are a few of them. Uh, the employee forgot what day of the week it was. It was Monday when he was supposed to come to work. Employee was sitting in the bathroom. Her feet and legs fell asleep. When she stood up, she fell, sprained her ankle, said she'll be in on Wednesday. Uh, employee had been at the casino all weekend and still had money left to play with on Monday morning, so he stayed there. And here's my favorite. Employee woke up in a good mood on Monday morning and didn't want to ruin it. So he didn't go to work. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, right? I mean, when Solomon writes this, he's saying, don't be a sluggard. Don't be a sluggard. So what are the consequences of being a sluggard? What are the consequences of being this type of person? Well, Solomon writes about that, and he says this. He says the first consequence is poverty. Poverty. By the way, let me remind you, we're not talking about people that can't work. We're talking about people who can but don't. And so what he says here, poverty will come up on you like a robber and want like an armed man. He, he said, if, if you're not careful, all of a sudden you're going to realize you have poverty because you haven't provided over time and it's going to surprise you. And then he says in Proverbs 20, verse 4, the slugger does not plow in autumn. He will seek a harvest and have nothing. See, if you don't plow, you don't sow seeds, you're not going to get a harvest, right? I mean, if, if you don't tend to the ground and plant, there's no harvest coming. And he says the slugger doesn't even realize that. He seeks at harvest time, but there's nothing there. He hasn't even put the seed in the ground. He looks for harvest and there's nothing there. He's the guy lacking sense that Solomon talked about in chapter 6. <clears throat> and he's saying the slugger is the guy who has to be provided for by everybody else. Now, there are times when we provide for folks, right? The scriptures are clear about that. Remember the gleaning in the harvest time? Uh, there would be a, a, around the borders of the, the fields, there would be that which was left for folks in poverty or folks that couldn't work or folks in need. But, but he goes on and says, the person who loses their life over and over and over without providing for themselves, they end up like this. They end up looking for a harvest and there's nothing. We do a lot of things through TBC to help folks that are in need. There's nothing wrong with that. But the reality is when Solomon says it, you end up in poverty if you don't care for yourself. That it's an issue of caring for yourself, providing for those that you love, providing for your family. And so he's saying there's a problem here. There's a problem here. The sluggard depends upon others to feed him because he doesn't provide for himself. In fact, Paul talks about this. There's a New Testament ethic that Paul talks about in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. He says, uh, for even when we were among you, we gave you this order. If anyone will not work, don't let him eat. For we hear that some among you are leading undisciplined lives. You're doing no work at all, but you're acting like busybodies. You're so busy dealing in other people's stuff and their business and their drama that you don't even work and provide for your own family. That's what Paul's saying. And so we look at that and realize that's what happens to the sluggard. Not only do they live in poverty, but they're discontented. They're discontented. In Proverbs 13, 4, it says, the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing. 
or the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. He craves, he wants something, but he has nothing to get it with. And so the soul of the sluggard craves, but gets nothing. And then it says slothfulness cast into a deep sleep. An idle person suffers hunger. Doesn't even provide for his family. There's a discontentment there. So they decide, I'll just sleep, I'll just sleep, I'll just sleep. That's why Solomon says a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Now let me tell you my concern. I mean, some of you, this message is for you in particular, right? You would say, Gary, I'm that sloth. I'm the person not providing well for my family. I can do better, but I'm not. I spend my time in front of a television, in front of a gaming device. I, I spend way too much time on my, my handheld device looking at Facebook, Instagram, or I, I'm the guy that has to look at three websites every morning and I'm late for work, or you name it, whatever it is, I'm not sure. And so that may have convicted you. Here's how I look at the TBC crowd week after week, though. Many of us are on the opposite extreme. We're not slothful. We're too busy. We're not slothful. We live our lives way too busy. And uh, the reality of it is we're too busy for a lot of things. And I, I ask myself the question. I tend to fall in that category. Why? Why are we so busy? Well, some would say I don't want to be a sloth, right? Nothing wrong with that. I don't want to be a sluggard. I don't want to be characterized as a sluggard. You don't want to be characterized that way. Secondly, the scriptures say in Colossians 3, do you work heartily as unto the Lord? So we want to do our work well. We want to be those who serve our community well. We want to do those who, who serve those who hire us well. We want to serve those who work for us well. And so we work hard. But I'll submit to you there are other reasons. Some of those reasons because we associate busyness with significance. We associate busyness with success. We associate busyness with accomplishment and achievement. And so we're busy. We stay busy and we keep ourselves busy. I mean, when's the last time you called somebody and say, how you doing? Typically their answer is, well, we are really, what? Busy. We're really busy right now. We got a lot going on in our life, we're really busy. When's the last time you called somebody and said, hey man, how are things going over there? Man, it's great, we got so much time in our hands. I mean, really, we're just looking for things to fill up the, the clock and the calendar right now. And uh, life is just nice at this real slow pace we're enjoying. How many people you ever hear say that? Not many. Not many. And I think we become so busy. When I look at TBC and all the success in a room like this, and what God has done in the high achievers in a room like this, I mean, you're wired like I am, man. You, you get your tithe money out of me, believe me. And we're wired to, to it's hard for us to say no. In fact, I, I read a book by uh, Cloud and Townsend called Boundaries because I recognize I need to change some of this stuff in my life a number of years ago. And uh, one of the things, they gave an example that, uh, that, that was penetrating. Actually, a guy named Jim was never able to say no to anyone, especially to supervisors at work. He started in a manufacturing plant on the line. He moved to be director or, or uh, manager of operations in this manufacturing firm. Everybody at work called him Mr. Can Do. If anything broke, anything needed to be fixed, anything needed to be managed, they would call Jim because Jim could do anything, Mr. Can Do. But at home, his wife and kids had a different name for him. They called him the Phantom. The Phantom, because I never saw him. He was gone all the time. He was Mr. Can-Do at work, 
It meant nothing for him to spend an inordinate amount of hours there because he couldn't say no to anybody. Finally, it came to a head one day. Cloud and Townsend are telling this story in their book. Came to a head one day when his wife sat down with him in tears and said, I can't do this anymore. I feel like a single mom. You're never here to help me. I know you think you're doing all this to provide for the family, but we want you and not the money you bring to the family. We want you. He said, honey, I know I I just can't say no to people. And she interrupted him and said, oh, yes, you can. You say no to me and the kids all the time. And for some of us, that's penetrating. Because we're not the sluggard, but we're the other guy. We're the other woman. You know, ladies, I read through Proverbs 31 in light of preparing for this sermon. I am amazed that in Proverbs 31, the P31 woman, this great godly woman, I'm amazed at how much she does to provide for her family and show care and compassion to them. Over and over we see it. Proverbs 31.10, you know it, an excellent wife who can find. Her worth is far above jewels. And listen what it says about her. She looks for wool and flax and works with her hands in delight. She's like a merchant ship. She brings food from afar. She rises while it's still night. I mean, she's up before, before dawn. She gives food and prepares food for a household, portions to those who work for her. She considers a field. She buys it from her earnings. She plants a vineyard. Over and over, it talks about what she does, what she accomplishes, what she achieves. She puts her hand to the spindle to provide for her kids. She extends her hand to the poor and stretches her hand out to the needy. I mean, she gives to other people. She's not afraid of the snow for in a household because it's been provided for. And over and over, it talks about her. She stays up late at night. She gets up early in the morning. She supplies. And sometimes it's easy for us to neglect the essential for the urgent. As men and as women. The essential, I'm convinced, is a walk with God. It's important to us we're going to do it. And sometimes we neglect it. And so I want to flip this a little bit. We're talking about the sluggard. I want to talk about the person who's a spiritual sluggard by being too busy. Too busy, first of all, to find time with God. Too busy to spend time in the presence of God. I'm convinced uh, for most of us, the reason we don't spend time with God in the word, in worship, in prayer, is not because we're too busy. That may be our excuse, but it's either because of one or two things. Either we've lost our passion or it lacks value to us. Either we've lost our passion or it lacks lacks value. You see, if nothing is really important to us, we're going to do it. It's really important for me to eat. Can you tell? I always find time for a meal. It's really important for me to read a couple of news websites every day. I don't watch news on the television. I'd rather read it online. And so I read two or three news websites every day. And then I become a sluggard. You know how I become a sluggard? Because two or three hours later, I go back and look at some of those websites. I'm thinking, maybe something happened in the world and they really need me. I mean, it used to be you pick up the newspaper, you watch the news or you watch the evening news or something one time, but now you go back over and over because they updated because of suckers like me who want to see it multiple times throughout the day to see what's happening in the world. And I find myself being a sluggard by being distracted with things I should be doing and not doing the things I should do. And so it's easy, it's real easy to make ourselves busy, but I'm convinced when it comes to spending time with God, one of the, one of the, it's one or two things. Either we have lost our passion or we think it lacks value. We've lost our passion. We're like the church at Ephesus in Revelation, chapter, Revelation chapter, chapter 2 where it says, I have this against you. You've lost your first love. 
or it lacks value. It's not valuable enough for us to do it. And some of you say, you know, Pastor Gary, man, I, I've tried to be in the Word. I've tried to have quiet times. It's just, I don't know what to do. It's boring. It, I don't get anything out of it. Bev has cooked thousands of meals for me over the years, thousands of meals. We've been married 42 years, thousands of meals. She's a great cook. I, there aren't many singular meals that stand out. There are a lot of great meals, but not many singular meals that stand out. But, you know, she has fed me day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, decade after decade. And I look back and say, maybe I don't remember too many specific meals, but I've been nourished the whole time. And so when it comes time to spending with God, maybe you don't, you don't come away from a quiet time and say, man, I got all this out of that today. When you look back over your life, you can see how the word has cascaded through your heart day after day, meal after meal after meal, so to speak. And through that, your heart has been cleansed and changed. And so I ask you, do you spend time in the presence of God? We call that personal surrender here. It's the core of the core values. Daily surrendering our lives to Christ. If we're too busy for that, which I don't think that's the reason, to be honest with you. I think it's either loss of passion or lack of value. Secondly, we're, we're too busy. There's an example of Mary and Martha. You know it. I was going to read it, but I run out of time. Uh, too busy for community. Pastor Gary, I mean, I, you know, we tried a small group. It didn't work for us or... Pastor, if you had any idea, I mean, we, we feel like Uber at home. We take our kids to rehearsals, to practices, to school. By the time we do homework and all that, we just don't have time for all that. Scriptures tell us this, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I've loved you. Love one another. By this, all people know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And, you know, we've got several hundred people here each hour. And hopefully we love one another. But... It's hard to display love to someone you don't know and you haven't even met, right? So folks on that side of the building, you don't know folks on this side of the building, perhaps. Or folks on the, in fact, here's what I want you to do. Folks on that side of the building, I want you to wave at people on that side and vice versa. In the middle, why don't you turn it, wave at somebody in the other section over here. Just take a look at them and wave at them, tell them hi. That they worship with you. They love the same Savior you love. They're going to spend eternity with you. And really, the only way you're going to get to know a lot of these folks or by being involved in one of the small groups, living life together in community, growing together in community, uh, allowing ourselves to do life together in community. And we're, we're gonna encourage you to be that type of person so you can demonstrate love to one another so the world around us can see that. And finally, too busy to be on mission. It says in 2 Timothy 4, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. God is the one who enlisted us. And so we don't get entangled in only the pursuits of the world, but we want to serve the one who enlisted us. And so we have time to serve others. We have time to serve our body. We have time to give to kids. We have time to drive for impact. We, we not have time. We take time to do those things, right? Because we don't want to be physical sluggards and we don't want to be spiritual sluggards. And so here's the, op as I look at this message and try and tie it all together, here's my word of encouragement. Don't be a sluggard. Don't be a physical sluggard who doesn't provide care for and work for those that you love, your family. And don't be a spiritual sluggard who doesn't have time for God to be in his presence. I don't know about you, but when I am called into the presence of the Father, I don't have to pull up my driver's license and say, oh, by the way, I'm Gary DeSalvo. 
I want him to know me because I spend time in his presence day after day, week after week, month after month. You've heard the story before, it's been TBC very long. There was a couple who lived in Michigan and they were headed down south for the winter and uh, they were driving from Michigan to Florida. And when they got to Montgomery, Alabama, they stopped uh, at a convenience store and uh, they got their gas, got in the car. The gentleman realized five hours later that something was missing, his wife. Five hours later. He pulled off at the next exit, went straight to the police station, and to his great embarrassment, admitted what was happening. The sergeant looked at him, started laughing, and said, are you sure you want me to call your wife? (laughs) John Ortberg writes a story. He says, it's hard to understand how a man could forget his wife for five hours in a car with just the two of them. But we're not much different than that in our relationship with the living God. We actually fail to remember the one who created us and who redeemed us. And we drive through life as though he's not there. Don't be a sluggard. Walk with him, honor him, love him, provide for those that God's given you. Father, thank you. Thank you first and foremost for providing us with a savior who gave his life on our behalf, who was anything but a sluggard, who gave up his life for others. And thank you for the example that he was and is. Thank you for that provision. Thank you for this admonition from Solomon that we're not to be sluggards who don't provide and care for those that we love. And thank you for the truth of the scriptures that tell us that we should not be too busy for you and for others but to live our life, to honor you on mission. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Bless you, my friends.